Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you? This is the Friday before Palm Sunday, but it is Friday and it is still Lent, beloved. No meat today. Uh, Abstinence during all Fridays of Lent and really should be all Fridays of the year, but especially Lent. So uh, I've said every day in the last few, few days that no matter what your um, intentions have been for Lent, no matter what your failures, uh, no matter your successes, this is a special time now that we're coming to the final week of Lent and to Holy Week, where our Lord was on Sunday, you know, greeted by his own people as the Messiah and uh, killed the following week by those many who yelled, uh, Hosanna in the highest on Palm Sunday, yelled crucify him uh, on Good Friday. So um, we don't want to be those people who say we love him and then turn from him. So this coming week, starting today, I would uh, want to urge you, encourage you somehow to walk deeper with our Lord, not only in abstinence, not only in fasting, but in almsgiving, in penance, in making a deeper commitment to uh, walk with him in his sufferings during this last week, regardless of what Apostle Paul, one of my favorite verses in the scriptures, he writes to the Philippians, forgetting what lies behind. And for Paul, that was forgetting a lot of successes as well. Um, But uh, pressing on to what lies ahead, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to the high goal of Um, God in Christ Jesus, that he may attain to the resurrection. We attain. It's a gift, but we attain to it. We can't work for it. We don't deserve it. uh, But it is a gift that we need to attain to, and we have the freedom to refuse it. So um, um, I'm going to read uh, what the sisters and I read last night from Dom Garaget, on the practice of Lent. It's quite a long article, so this is our third day in it. <clears throat> Dom Garanger says, so far, we've been speaking of the non-observance of Lent in its relation to individuals and Catholics. Let us now say a few words upon the influence which that same non-observance has upon a whole people or nation. There are but few social questions which have not been ably and spiritedly treated by the public writers of the age, who have devoted their talents to the study of what is called political economy. And it has often been a matter of surprise to us that they should have overlooked a subject of such deep interest as this, the results produced on society by the abolition of Lent, even by Catholics, beloved, even by Catholics. I've said to a few Catholics, you know, what are you doing for Lent? Of course, it's none of my business, but by way of reminder even. And they say, oh, oh, that's right, I forgot. Let me see. See? 
and Lent's almost over, so the results produced on society by the abolition of Lent, that is to say, of an institution which more than any other keeps up in the public mind a keen sentiment of moral right and wrong, inasmuch as it imposes on a nation an annual expiation for sin. No shrewd penetration penetration is needed to see the difference between two nations, one of which observes each year a 40 days penance in reparation of the violations committed against the law of God, and another whose very principles reject all such solemn reparation. Hold on. I can just see that in America, if all Catholics truly observed Lent, the restaurants would be empty, the shopping malls would make no money during the season, Um, um, the churches would be filled, but nothing of that is the case. And looking, uh, Dom Garanger says, at the subject from another point of view, it is not to be feared, is it not to be feared, that the excessive use of animal food tends to weaken rather than to strengthen the Constitution? We are convinced of it. The time will come when a greater proportion of vegetable and less of animal diet will be considered as an essential means for maintaining the strength of the human frame. Then let the children of the church courageously observe the Lenten practices of penance. Peace of conscience is essential to the Christian life, and yet it is promised to none but truly penitent souls. Lost in, ig- in <coughs> excuse me, lost innocence is to be regained by the humble confession of the sin when it is accompanied by absolution, the absolution of the priest. But let the faithful be on their guard against the dangerous error which would persuade them that they have nothing to do when once pardoned. This is very common, beloved, and very dangerous. Let them who are pardoned remember the solemn warning given to them by the Holy Ghost in the sacred scriptures, quote, be not without fear about sin forgiven. That's from Ecclesiasticus. Be not without fear about sin forgiven. Our confidence of having been forgiven should be in proportion to the change or conversion of our heart, the greater our present detestation of our past sins, and the more earnest our desire to do penance for them for the rest of our lives. The better founded is our confidence that they have been pardoned. If I confess my sins, beloved, and I am given by the priest absolution, and I go back and I'm free to live as I wish, um, and I don't make reparation for them, and I forget about them, and I I say, well, that's done with, um, um, then I have little confidence that I've been pardoned, that I have truly been sorry for them. Man knoweth not as the same holy volume assures us, man, Ecclesiasticus, man knoweth not whether he be worthy of love or hatred, but he that keeps up within him the spirit of penance has every reason to hope that God loves him. 
But the courageous observance of the church's precept of fasting and abstaining during Lent must be accompanied by those two other eminently good works to which God so frequently urges us in the scripture. And that's prayer and alms deeds. Just as under the term fasting, the church comprises all kinds of mortification, so under the word prayer, she includes all those exercises of piety whereby the soul holds intercourse with her God. More frequent attendance at the services of the church, assisting daily at Mass, spiritual reading, meditation upon eternal truths and the Passion, hearing sermons, and above all, the approaching the sacraments of penance and the Holy Eucharist. These are the chief means whereby the faithful should offer to God the homage of prayer during this holy season. Did you get within that that the homage of prayer includes penance? Because when we are in the confessional, we are speaking to God through a man, but we are speaking to God. And when we are in the presence of God and speaking, that is prayer. Alms deeds comprise all the works of mercy to our neighbor and are unanimously recommended by the holy doctors of the church as being the necessary complement of fasting and prayer during Lent. God has made it a law to which he has graciously bound himself that charity shown towards our fellow creatures with the intention of pleasing our creator shall be rewarded as though it were done to God himself. How vividly this brings before us the reality and the sacredness of the lie which he would have to exist between all such men. Such indeed is its necessity that our Heavenly Father will not accept the love of any heart that refuses to show mercy. But on the other hand, he accepts as genuine and as done to himself the charity of every Christian who by a work of mercy shown to a fellow man is really acknowledging and honoring that sublime union which makes all men to be one family with God as its father. Hence it is that alms deeds done with this intention are not merely acts of human kindness but are raised to the dignity of acts of religion which have God for their direct object and have the power of appeasing his divine justice. Let us remember the counsel given by the archangel Raphael to Tobias. Tobias was on the point of taking leave of this holy family, or rather uh, Raphael, the archangel, was on the point of taking leave of this holy family and returning to heaven, and these were his words. Quote, Prayer is good with fasting and alms, more than to lay up treasures of gold, for alms delivereth from death, and the same is that which purgeth away sins, and maketh to find mercy and life everlasting. There's the music for our first break, beloved. Feel free to call in during the break or any time during this hour, toll free with anything on your heart, one 511 5483. You may text at that number or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. 
Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. How would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to Sermons for Everyday Living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on thestationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you. This is Jesuit Father Robert McTigg, your dearly host of The Catholic Current. Join me on Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern for another round of Let's Talk About This when you and I walk through a complex issue together. I'm going to ask, why is it so easy to hate? The answer may surprise you. Join me on The Catholic Current at 5 p.m. Eastern, coming to you from the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio mobile app. This is Jesse Romero, host of Jesus 911, heard weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. I'm joined each day by a variety of co-hosts like Ruben Nava, Paul Clay, Dan Schneider, and my amazing wife, Anita Romero. We tackle Catholic devotions, spiritual warfare, family life, saving America, and everything in between. Join us each weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Jesus 911. You can also catch a bonus encore Saturdays at noon Eastern. God bless you. Keep the faith. Bring many more people closer to our Lord by letting them know about Catholic Radio. One of the simplest ways to promote Catholic Radio is by displaying a bumper magnet on your car. Order your free bumper magnets at thestationofthecross.com. We'd be happy to send bumper magnets for your listening area so that others can come to know the Lord. That's thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for sharing Catholic Radio on the road. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, dear ones, to Mother Miriam Live. And um, we are... um, Working through, reading through uh, a heavenly writing from Don Prosper Garanger of the 1800s, uh, Benedictine uh, First Abbot of Salem. And uh, to me, it's this is gold. It's just a treasure. Um, yet you are able to call in, don't be shy, for, with anything on your heart. It does not have to be our subject. Um, but it's the matter of your heart. So call in anytime. Our lines are always wide open through this hour from now on. And the toll-free number is one 511 5483 so we get the context here. Dom Garanger writes, Let us remember the counsel given by the Archangel Raphael to Tobias. He was on the point of taking leave of this holy family. That's the angel. Archangel was on the point of taking leave of the holy family of Tobias. <clears throat> if you've not read that book in the Old Testament, go to it. It is absolutely magnificent and good uh, counsel in raising your family. If you're Protestant and haven't read it, it's because you have a Protestant Bible that is truncated by Martin Luther himself, 
who single-handedly took out uh, seven books plus parts of Daniel and Esther. In my 18 years of evangelical Protestantism, I was told that Catholics added to the Bible no such thing. Uh, Our Lord's in the Septuagint had all those books. Martin Luther, 1,500 years later, simply took them out, and he had reasons for it. Um, I won't go into that now, but uh, they were his own sole reasons and decided that the church was not the authority and that he was. Um, we, we could be our own authority. Um, and so um, he simply decided to take them out. Um, hold on just a moment. And so for 18 years of my evangelical Christianity, um, <clears throat> I never knew those books existed. And what a treasure when I became Catholic um, to, to find out uh, the incredible um, treasure that God has left us uh, in, his, in his scriptures. If you love scriptures, beloved, and you haven't read a full Catholic Bible, whether you're Catholic, Protestant, or any, any other uh, faith, um, get a Catholic Bible and read through the books you have missed. You will absolutely treasure them. Um, you may not treasure them if you don't believe they're the Word of God, but they are. So back to Dom Garanger on his writings on Lent, and he said, let us remember the counsel given by the Archangel Raphael to Tobias. He was on the point, or the Archangel, of taking leave of his holy family and returning to heaven. And these were his words, quote, Prayer is good with fasting and alms, more than to lay up treasures of gold, for alms delivereth from death, and the same is that which purgeth away sins, and maketh to find mercy and life everlasting. Tobit chapter 12. Equally strong is the recommendation given to this virtue by the book of Ecclesiastic, uh, Ecclesiasticus, quote, Water quencheth a flaming fire and alms resisteth sins. And again, quote, shut up alms in the heart, shut up alms in the heart, the poor, the heart of the poor, and it shall obtain help for thee against all evil, end quote. The Christian should keep these consoling promises ever before his mind, but more especially during the season of Lent, the rich man should show the poor whose whole year is a fast that there is a time when even he has his self-imposed privations. The faithful observance of Lent naturally produces a saving. Let that saving be given to Lazarus. Nothing surely could be more opposed to the spirit of this holy season than the keeping up a table as richly and delicately provided as at other periods of the year, when God permits us to use all the comforts compatible with the means he has given us. But how thoroughly Christian is it that during these days of penance and charity, the life of the poor man should be made more comfortable in proportion as that of the rich shares in the hardships and the privations of his suffering brethren throughout the world. Poor and rich would then present themselves with all the beauty of fraternal love upon them at the divine banquet of the Paschal Feast to which our risen Jesus, our risen Jesus, will invite us after these 40 days are over. 
he says there is one means more, one means more, whereby we are to secure to ourselves the grand graces of Lent. It is the spirit of retirement and separation from the world. Our ordinary life, that is, such as it is during the rest of the year, should all be made to pay tribute to the holy season of penance. Otherwise, the salutary impression produced on us by the holy ceremony of Ash Wednesday will soon be effaced. The Christian ought, therefore, to forbid himself during Lent all the vain amusements, entertainments, and parties of the world he lives in. As regards theaters and balls, which are the world in the very height of its power to do harm, no one that calls himself a disciple of Christ should ever be present at them unless necessity or the position he holds in society oblige him to do it. But if from his own free choice he throw himself amid such dangers during the present holy season of penance and recollection, he offers an insult to his character and must needs cease to believe that he has sins to atone for and a God to propitiate. The world, and by that we mean the part which is Christian, has thrown off. This is our day, beloved. This was written 400 years ago, and this is today. The world, um, and Dom Garanger says, we mean that part of it which is Christian, has thrown off all those external indications of mourning and penance, which we read of as being so religiously observed in the ages of faith. Let that pass. But there is one thing which can never change, God's justice, and man's obligation to appease that justice. The world may rebel as much as it will against the sentence, but the sentence is uh, irrevocable. Luke writes, unless ye do penance, you shall all perish. Say, if you will, that a few nowadays give ear to it, but for that very reason many are lost. They too who hear this word must not forget the warnings given them by our divine Savior himself in the gospel read to us on Sexagesima Sunday. He told us how some of the seed is trodden down by the passers-by or eaten by the fowls of the air, how some falls on rocky soil and gets parched, and how again some is choked by thorns. Let us be wise and spare no pains to become that good ground, which not only receives the divine seed, but brings forth a hundredfold for the Easter harvest, which is at hand. Beloved, I've seen it firsthand. A woman that I was quite close to, who in my, who before I was even a Protestant, let alone Catholic, became Protestant at a Baptist church, completely on fire for the faith, taught her children the faith, her husband, all of that. Um, he had not converted, but she had. And she was on fire and um, uh, active at the church, children's ministries and all of that. But she questioned some things, and she, her faith didn't grow very deep. And when the cares of the world came... Um, 
rather than deepening her faith in Christ, she abandoned him. She said, well, if that's what God is like, uh, I, don't, I don't want him, because obviously she gave herself to a God of her own making. It was the seed that fell on rocky soil, and I, I just, she was so on fire and wanted me to convert, and I, I've never gotten over how she has completely turned from God, doesn't believe he even exists, and is leaving, leading a tremendously sinful life. I've just never forgotten the, the possibility of that and the shock of it before my own eyes and the effect on the family. Utterly, utterly, utterly tragic. Beloved, don't ever take your faith for granted. If you're not growing in it, then you are in danger of hellfire and you are in danger of losing it. Like the man who said to me, and he was in his 30s, and I asked him when I was a Protestant about certain, if he wanted to come for a Bible study or whatever it was, he said, oh, no, no, no. I had all that as a child. And I think he was Catholic. Not interested. Goes to church on Sunday. That's all he needs. I I can't judge his heart, and I have no clue how God will judge it. But that's not a living faith. A living faith hungers, as Paul writes uh, to Timothy, as newborn babes, um, to to desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Newborn babes, if they don't get the bottle, they scream their lungs out. And that's how we are to desire the, the pure milk of the word, not as new Christians only, but the further we grow, the hungrier we should be. <clears throat> okay, let me just see. I think um, we don't have a caller yet. Hold on now. Um, but we have an email um, from Larry, and Larry says, Good morning, Mother Miriam. I think I know the answer, but I would like confirmation, please. Is the lady that appears in different places to different people on Mother Mary in different variations. Thank you, God love all of us, Larry. Um, yes, Larry, if, if it's... Um, I'm, I'm, I won't doubt that there could be false apparitions um, because uh, apart from the apparitions that have been proved by the church, have been approved by the church, um, we have the freedom to believe in them but we don't know for sure if they've not been approved that they are truly our Blessed Mother. But those that have been approved, we can have confidence that they are our Blessed Mother, yet we are not required to believe apparitions even if they've been re- approved because they're all personal revelation, and we're never required to believe personal revelation even if they're approved by the Church. But yes, especially if they're approved, They are our Mother Mary, and I've often said, because Our Lady of Guadalupe is the Lady of our community, Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, Our Lady of Guadalupe, what has she got to do with Israel? Everything. Um, She's Our Lady, and I've often said, she's our mother, the mother of the Savior, and um, she appears all over the world in different outfits (laughs) because she appears as one of the people uh, in whatever country. Uh, she comes. So yes, um, there's the music for our half hour break, dear ones. We'll be back and we'll have a whole half hour to ourselves. And don't hesitate to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three. 
Please join Father Mark Noonan in praying the Litany of Humility. O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be esteemed more than I, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be chosen and I set aside, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be preferred to me in everything. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, dear ones. Um, we have a whole half hour to ourselves and time for you to call in plenty of time with anything on your heart at all. Uh, I'll repeat the toll-free number, which you can also text with um, uh, 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We have an email from Ron. <clears throat> And Ron asks, should people who profess to be members of the Catholic Church be excommunicated for disobedience? Excuse me. Uh, Ron, um, we go to confession for our disobedience. It depends upon the disobedience. If um, the disobedience is a mortal sin... Um, if, let me just start. If it's a venial sin, all disobedience is sin. All disobedience is sin. If we uh, commit venial sin, we're not required to go to confession, but we sure should if we care about our souls because we are given a penance that helps us make reparation and atone for the temporal effects of our sins, which if we don't atone for them here, we will in purgatory. So, Oh, I can hear a Protestant screaming about that. What are you saying? What are you saying? If you have a question, call in and I'll explain it to you. But um, 
Uh, so for disobedience, we should go to confession. But if it's a mortal sin, um, uh, and we're not uh, excommunicated for venial sins, no. Um, for mortal sins, we're really not excommunicated by anyone. By a mortal sin, we excommunicate ourselves. <clears throat> if I commit a mortal sin, I have, I have. Now again, a mortal sin is not just a grave sin, but it means that you you know it's a grave sin. You know it will separate you from the grace, the life of God, and you do it of your own free will. You don't have a gun against your head. You're not totally drunk and out of uh, your mind on what's happening. You're not, uh, you don't do it out of fear or whatever, but you do it in your own free will. You know that it's grave. You know it will separate you from God, and you do it anyway of your free will. You have then committed a mortal sin. Uh, for it to be grave is one of three elements that must be there. And if you've committed a mortal sin, you have chosen to turn from God, knowing that if you die prior to be rec- prior to being that you are excommunicating yourself from the church, and if you die prior to being reconciled with the church through the confession with a priest, um, then you will end up in hell, and you do the mortal sin, knowing all that you have excommunicated yourself from the church. Aside from that, if it's not mortal, you want to confess your sin. Um, for disobedience, absolutely. Um, but you are not excommunicated uh, automatically. <clears throat> um, we have a call from John in Kentucky. Hello, John. Good morning. Good morning, Mother Miriam. Good morning, um, dear. I, 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 I've had a lot of um, people, even people, priests that I consider very orthodox, and I guess they're trying to give people or Catholics hope and they say that things have been this bad before in the church. You know, they, you know, don't worry, things have been this bad before and everything will work out. Well, even if that's true, which I don't believe it is, but it, neither do it I, John, true, I don't believe they've ever it, been this bad. Well, I mean, that's one of the reasons I was called, but I was, the other thing I, I, I say to them, even if that's true, so what? Right. If it's that bad, you know what? What difference does that make? You're not giving me any hope. I mean, it's like, very good. It's like saying, mm-hmm. well, you're, 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 you know, it's like talking to a fireman saying, you know, my house is on fire, and they're they're saying, well, you know, the house on down the street burned a few years ago too. But well, I, 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 I guess since you agree with me, I'd like to know why you think like I do, that it's never been this bad in the church before. Well, and the other point, John, uh, if I speak to it first, when you say that's that doesn't give you any hope, even if it's true, uh, I think the message of that is not that we ignore how bad it is, but that the church has survived it. That's the message. It's been this bad well, before. I, 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 I agree with that. I'm just saying yeah. that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't. I I don't believe. Uh, I I do believe that it's never ever been this bad before, and um, you know, if we know history Why? and we look, 
we look at the scriptures that there'll be a, a time at the end times and the end times really began with our Lord on the cross but this is going toward the end of the end times um, if we believe the message of Fatima and Akita and Our Lady of Good Success and Our Lady of La Salette uh, predictions of the 20th and beyond centuries that the faith will be lost that uh, cardinals will fight cardinals that the mass will even be stopped, um, that that uh, there'll be a great time of apostasy. And I think we're in that time. Not that it can't get worse, but we're in the time of apostasy. Um, I, I don't... I don't know that there's ever been a time like this in the church. Um, the, it's one thing that the world is uh, on fire, uh, but it's another thing that the main threat to the sheep comes from her shepherds. And they have really, in large, large measure, abandoned the faith. Abandoned the faith. On Monday, uh, John Henry Weston uh, has a new program called Faith and Reason. And he has three guests on there now, and I, Father Altman is one. I, I, I can't remember offhand the names of the two other, but they're they're wonderful. And there was some synod uh, at the Vatican Monday of this week, and one of the archbishops. It's just look at LifeSite News. Um, I forget his name, but I read it. Um, said that proposed that we should, to all the Christian churches throughout the world, Catholic or not, that they should join with the Catholic Church in no longer proselytizing the Jews, no longer giving the, the gospel to the Jewish people, um, because they have Moses, we have Jesus. That's one of the most damnable heresies ever. And my answer to that is because they want to eliminate anti-Semitism. And my answer to that is that uh, there is no greater form of anti-Semitism than to not deny the Jewish people the truth of the Messiah they gave to the world. And there's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So that is absolutely diabolical. And... Um, Left and right, every good cardinal, bishop, uh, who I almost learn of daily defects from the faith, they've lost the faith. I, I don't know if they had it. I don't know what's happening, but I never cease to be shocked at a new name after another. Um, and the the uh, our church is um, it's it just being run, so to speak, by a corrupt uh, um, magisterium, corrupt at the Vatican. However, um, it is the Church of Christ. It is the Church, John, I know you believe this, that our Lord established, that he will lead into all truth till the end of time and against which the gates of hell will not prevail. So we have sure knowledge of that. We have sure knowledge, but... Um, I do believe things have never, ever been as bad, and I think the book of Revelation is beginning to be worked out before our eyes. Well, thank you for that, because that's the way I think. And when there's one thing I know in life, with the grace of God, I'm never leaving the Catholic Church. That's right. Mm -hmm. Jesus leave Christ the is the King of, King of Kings yeah. and the Lord of Lords. And right. It's his church. It's not my church. It's not, not your right. church. It's his church. Not the church. Pope's We're church, never, right. 
Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Hey, Mother, so as long as we're both alive, at least we know that the gates of hell have not prevailed, right? This is true. <laughs> no, and they will not. And they will not. John, you're a dear. You're a dear. It's good to have a like-minded oh, God soul. God bless you. Yeah, keep strong, John. You too, sweetheart. Thank you. Um, we have a call from Catherine in Texas. Hi, Catherine. Hi, good morning, Mother. Good morning. How are you? Oh, good. Thank you. Um, Good. I had a question from um, kind of following on the back of, I believe it was Melissa yesterday, who um, asked about traditional um, Catholic wives and submission to their husbands. Yes, I Um, remember that long email. I do. Go ahead. Yes. Um, I've been attending um, a traditional Latin Mass only for a few months now. And I am new to this idea, and I must confess that I've been very strong and not submissive to my husband um, mm-hmm. in many regards. And so I'd like some advice on how to go about this um, as I'm kind of new to, to learning more. And also, um, so my husband is not Catholic. He's actually not religious. Um, in Australia, they'd call that a nun, N-O-N-E. Um, and um, although he... Has he been baptized? He was baptized in the Anglican Church, yes. Okay, that's but a valid. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have um, two children at the moment, and he's mm-hmm. always um, 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 been supportive of us going to church and to and um, and raising them Catholic. Um, Good. But um, he doesn't come but Easter and, and Christmas, and even then, mm-hmm. um, he says he feels very awkward in a church. So with regards to spiritual things, um, I, I know I've, I've been leaning with the kids, but I, I wonder how does this work with the mission to husband as well, um, since he um, doesn't want to be involved in their spiritual growth. Yes. Um, your first, as a wife, um, your first, um, I'm just going to tell the engineer on the other side that I'm hearing feedback. Um, your first uh, priority, Catherine, is not to your children, but to your husband. That's the first, because your children will learn love by seeing love. They will learn respect by seeing and hearing respect. Um, they will learn what a marriage is to be by your response to your husband, uh, even if his response to you is lacking. So um, I, I, can, I can understand the difficulty of your situation, um, but your first vocation is to your husband, and so don't try to make him Catholic. Don't try to help him be the leader of the house. Don't lead him in any way. Ask God to help you to be the holiest woman of God, the holiest mother you could be, the holiest wife you could be. So you have a heart of love. The man is to be the head. The, the, the wife is to be the heart of the home. And if the man fails in his responsibility to be the head... You still need to be the heart. You can't take over his role. And if you become the heart, you're loving, you're respectful to him, your children see that, um, and ask God for wisdom in all your decisions, um, then I think God, through that, can change your husband's heart. And 
and give your children an education they would not have otherwise because they will learn um, not so much by books and what you tell them. They will learn by what they see and experience. If they see and experience love between you and your husband, they will feel secure. If you um, pour love on them and you're kind of rude to your husband or just separated, they won't feel loved at all. They'll, they won't feel secure. They only will by your example with your husband. Um, so, um, Catherine, um, there's the break. Um, if you wish, it's not a, a light topic, and there's much to, to learn in that. But um, I'm trying to think of a good book for you that would, there's so, there's so many. Um, can you hold on till after the break? And can you think of a couple of examples that you would struggle with? And maybe we could talk about those. Okay. Okay, hold on. We'll be right back. And beloved, when we come back, we'll have about 10 minutes and probably still time for you to call in if you wish with anything on your heart. Toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at com. We'll be right back. The Station of the Cross appreciates the generosity of our supporters. We are committed to keeping our donors' accounts up to date. If there have been changes made to your payment information, please call us so that we can update your account. 1-877-888-6279, extension 104. Or update your information online at thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for your generous support of Catholic Radio. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener supported. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. Do you love listening to the Station of the Cross on your car radio, but sometimes find yourself driving outside the listening area? Never miss another minute of your favorite show. Download the iCatholic Radio app so you can listen anywhere in the world 24 hours a day. The iCatholic Radio app is available for your phone in the Apple Store or for your Android phone in Google Play. Visit thestationofthecross.com for more information. What you're offering and giving to me, you deserve to get back because you're offering more than I can give. I learned so much through the station on the cross. I listen to the radio station daily, and I absolutely love it. I was attending the chapel and places like that, and through your programs, I was able to find out how other Protestants had come back into the Catholic Church. God bless the station of the cross. Donate today at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSight News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We've got about 10 minutes, and our lines are open. And again, there'll be time. If you wish to call in now, toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at com. We have Catherine from Texas on the line. Are you still on the line, dear one? Uh, yes, I am, Mother. Okay. Uh, you know, I had something in mind uh, as a reference for you, and it just left me. It absolutely left me. Um, can you give me a certain example that you would see yourself struggling with? Um, oh, let me, let me interrupt myself. Um, the book I'm thinking of is Why I Became Catholic. Um, I th- no, no, Why I Became a Priest. And it's the story of Elizabeth Lesseur, whose husband was an atheist and she a Catholic. And she kept a diary and she kept, she didn't put Catholic things all over the house to to lure him, but she lived her faith fully, completely fully. Never pressured him, never did anything. She just lived her vocation with an atheist husband, I think who didn't even want Catholic books on the coffee table. And she died and he picked up her diary um, and read uh, her years of um, recording her daily life. And her life was so consistent with everything Catholic that he not only became Catholic, but he became a priest through her witness. It's quite powerful. There's nothing more, there's nothing more powerful than witness and, and the witness of love. Nothing more powerful than that. But go ahead, Catherine. Oh, um, actually, on that, um, I'm familiar with her. A priest had recommended to me, um, similar on, on, her, on her life, um, Light and Salt, I believe it was called. Okay. Um, story, and it, it is wonderful. I've, I've read that, but I, I'll go oh, back good. and find um, the other book. Um, I would say an example um, would be leading the rosary. Um, uh, my husband will sometimes sit with us if, as a family, um, we sit down for the rosary, um, but uh, um, we also live with my father, who's Catholic, but goes to Norvis Ordo. So I'm wondering, in that situation, um, is it better that I ask my dad, uh, who we live with, to lead um, and be a spiritual father in the home? Um, <clears throat> no, it's not. No? No, it's better for their dad to lead. Um, and just gently say to him, sweetheart, um, we love praying the rosary, and we love it when you join us. And it would be so much more powerful for us, me as your wife and your children, if if you would lead. Um, I know you're not Catholic, and I, you know, and I, I'm not putting anything on you. But um, uh, as long as you're not opposed to it, it it's so much more meaningful uh, when we take the roles that God intends for us to take, and and. He does intend for the husband, for the father, to lead in prayer. If you don't want to, honey, don't worry about it. But I just want you to tell to tell you that we need you. We need you to do that. The children need your example, and I need your leadership. Just very, very softly, not instructing him, but talking from a point of need, very softly. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, Mother. Um... The um, the only other thing that I, I really struggle with is um, at the moment just trying to get the kids to mass. Um, 
with myself and I don't want to ever push him away. Um, although I've asked him to come, um, almost every, every Sunday I ask again. Um, but I try and do so softly, but, um, is, is there anything I can do? I mean, obviously I, I pray for his conversion. Um, but is there any other way I should try to ask him, um, to, to join, to join us, uh, when he doesn't yes. want to come? Through your silence, stop asking him. Stop asking him and just love him and say, sweetheart, um, we'll see you after church. Just stop asking him. That'll If you're asking him every Sunday, that'll surprise him. Why didn't she invite me? Doesn't she want me anymore to come? That may make him come. That may make him want to come because it'll puzzle him. So don't ask him. Just get the children. How many children do you have, have at home? Uh, two. Oh, great. Okay, get the children ready. And... Um, and I don't know. Hold on. He might help you to get the children ready. I don't know if he does that or not, but go j- just get the children ready and say, sweetheart, we love you and see you after mass. Don't worry about it. Just do it. Love him. Respect him. Um, and uh, don't expect it from him. Just respect him and say, sweetheart, we'll see you after mass and say nothing about it. I think he'll come eventually. Okay. Thank you so much, Mother. All right, Catherine. It's not an easy road, but it's not only possible with God's grace, but for you to save his soul, uh, for God to save his soul through your love and submission and respect for him without pushing, um, you you cannot ask anything better for all eternity. So um, be patient and leave and say, well, whatever I'm doing is not working. Don't you worry about it. Your only job is to live your vocation and leave your husband to God. Leave him to God. Let God do whatever God wants to do in him. But he will do it through your love and your patience, your long-suffering, and your respect. Okay, dear? Okay, thank you very much. All right, Catherine. God bless you, sweetheart. Um, Let me see. Um, Linda writes, Dear Mother Miriam, do you think that we are following the Blessed Mother's request for five first Saturdays? Not we as a church, no. There are some who do, but not we as a church. Uh, Our church, in particular parish, does not even offer a Saturday morning Mass. I, I, I think that's pretty average as in the Novus Ordo world, uh, not in the Latin Mass world. There's always a Latin Mass. But um, your church, your particular church, does not even offer Saturday morning Mass. And you say, my husband and I have been doing them online with Father Chris, uh, a law of divine mercy. Um, Thank you for your time. Um, For you to be doing the first five Sundays um, with Father... Chrysalar and Divine Mercy, the first five Saturdays, rather. Um, I, I suppose that's good, but Mass online does not count. Um, you need to be there. Um, if you're going to Mass or going to confession, you need to be at a church. Um, I, I don't know the effect of your doing them online with Father Chris of Divine Mercy. I, I don't... I haven't seen the program. He's a good priest, 
but I, I don't know if you're supposed to be at Mass, that will not suffice. There's no, you don't substitute Mass by watching it. You have to be there. So, um, uh, I would, I would strive to go to a different church if you possibly can. Um, that's what I would do, Linda. Um, find a church if you're near enough, uh, whether it's Novus Ordo or Latin, that's close enough for you that has a Sunday morning mass. Um, because it should. It should. Saturday evening mass is, or rather that Saturday morning mass, Saturday evening mass is the Sunday mass in anticipation. Uh, it begins the vigil, but Saturday morning is not, uh, which means that there's a day of the week that there's no mass. Uh, I get, I suppose the priest has that option, but if you want to practice the five first Saturdays, I think you need to find another church. Okay, dear one, there's our closing music. Um, God bless you all. Um, have a blessed weekend and an especially blessed Palm Sunday. And make this the most reverent, holy Palm Sunday ever, knowing that, again, we rejoice in singing Hosanna to God in the highest, but don't forget that those same hearts, which are our hearts, yelled crucify him the following Friday. He died for our sins. God bless you.